Hey everybody, joining us today is author, artist, and host of one of my favorite podcasts, QAnon Anonymous, Julian Field. Hey Julian, how you doing today? How's life? Doing good. Glad to be on the podcast. Cool. And, uh, wow, we really got right into it this time, huh? That's right. Well, we got a lot <laughs> to talk bam, about. Bam, we got to talk about the entire uh, global cabal and, you know, it's... That's yeah. that's no that's a tall order. Um, but before we talk about that, I know you're in Paris and you you mentioned that you've been going to some of the yellow vest actions. So I, I would definitely want to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, you know th- these are pretty consistent uh, gatherings. Obviously, they've been happening now for years. That are broadly a resistance to the neoliberal order and just the gutting of uh, a lot of the social uh, safety net. And um, and basically the parts of France that make it socialist, which Macron really does want to get rid of. And of course, you know, as as any kind of um, uh, organization that starts with pure despair and then kind of galvanizes, it has uh, its fair share of conspiracy theorists or even far right people that are either kind of hijacking it or just participating because they're pissed off about some part of the broader uh, issue. And so, you know, for years it's been you know, really beaten down by the cops and kind of made marginal by all of the mainstream media here. And, you know, even even in conspiracy debunking circles here, I do find a kind of like anti-gilet jaune uh, thing where they'll they'll try to kind of focus on the anti-Semitic part or focus on the fascist side. But I, I would argue that if if you don't listen to the people and they're out in the streets every single week for for years and actually you you, you kind of essentially yeah, push them into the margins and, and try to laminate their their entire movement this is where we end up right i mean you're not going to get um you're not going to get a very uh, uh a very coherent message when people are just furious and there's so many of them and they all have their own reasons for it so yeah i, I you know i try to um i try to i try to to, to go out and and get get the feel these days it's very mixed in with covid stuff of course some for good reason you know macron has proposed essentially what is a vaccine passport and um, and some issues with it are that, you know, he's been using it to pass other things that he's wanting to, wanted to get done, like as he passes uh, um, these more controversial COVID related things. And he's, he's also purposefully kind of trying to rile people up and push them uh, to all resemble conspiracy theorists so that you don't have to deal with them anymore. Mm-hmm. They've been, you know, properly um, marginalized. Yeah, and uh, I saw some video over the weekend of, I think it was in Toulouse, and I think it was a, a gilet jaune or, or some kind of anti-COVID passport related thing where, you know, it's hard to tell the context just from the video, but it looked like people yelling Toulouse Antifa were just beating the shit out of some fascists. So um, we like to think that, uh, or like there's this narrative that, that Yellow Vest is just purely right wing or that the the resistance to uh, Macron, even in terms of like some of the COVID stuff is right wing, but seems like it's a little bit more complicated in France. It's definitely more complicated. I'd say that they are the minority. And, uh, and of, of course, like, like I said, if you give people no, no issue, no way to get out of, of the situation that they're in, their movement will become like, you know, essentially depressed. It'll go through mutations. It'll become more violent, more frustrated. And of course, with time, you also have infiltrators and people who are pushing this violence so that then the police uh, crackdown on them is 
you know, totally fine and kosher and, and just a reaction to, you know, these far right people. So I think that's, yeah, that's the general situation here. Thanks for that, uh, that update on France. Today, of course, we'll be talking about QAnon, but also QAnon Anonymous. Which, Great podcast. Which combines QAnon news with <laughs> on-the-ground journalism from international correspondents, which is really cool, um, and some comedy skits. I found a new way to connect to the internet. And uh, <laughs> it's right. been really fascinating listening to QAnon Anonymous over the last few years as you tracked Q's humble beginnings as a lazy 4chan blood libel shitpost to national villainy as a belligerent force in the J6 Capitol siege and now an accepted faction of the Republican Party. At the same time, Q himself has gone totally silent and many of his adherents have moved on. So let's start off by asking what's up with QAnon and more importantly, what's up with QAnon Anonymous? Yeah, QAnon is in a very strange period of time. I think uh, you know, if we're going to look at how marginalized, you know, any kind of like mobilization or, you know, kind of uh, crack at, at, at revolutionary changes in France, you have to look at America and basically accept that the the most uh, the like the, the only revolutionary possibilities that have been opened up in the recent past are the most dark, depressing push to the far right subsection uh, of the general discontent. And so I think, you know, QAnon as a, as a kind of moniker is obviously useful. And, you know, people can argue that QAnon is now over. But really what's, what we've seen is that, it, that you know, the, it's like in the tap water now for the, the Republican Party. And, and also that the beliefs that were be- below it and are, have been assimilated by a lot of this like voting base and non-voting base or whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I, I really kind of hesitate to say like, oh, well, people have moved on because the conditions that have given rise to uh, the kind of need for a conspiracy theory like QAnon have not changed. And they're, in fact, worsening. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't kind of uh, I guess I it's like that scene in the movie where you just want to make sure shoot them twice, make sure they're dead. <laughs> um, no, not, not that I'm no, that sounds bad. That's no, no, bad. not like that. <laughs> Metaphorically, of course, don't, don't even shoot them in once. a video game. <laughs> Don't shoot at all. In fact, put down your gun. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that uh, exploring QAnon has, like you said, led us back to on, on the podcast has led us back to uh, a, a kind of history of weird uh, belief systems from the, you know, the Birchright movement to like even the original like blood libel and all these things. And that vein uh, is, is hardly kind of tapped out. The country uh, has had it for a long time and it has, maybe a, a, an even bigger need for it now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that we're going to continue to essentially cover this very bizarre uh, intersection of, of a kind of right-wing Christians with more like digital soldier-oriented like meme people uh, because I don't think that it's the last time that um, a political figure will at least tacitly use them to, to get something. Um, but, but also because, you know, their, their, re, their reason to be has not been essentially challenged in any way. But what we are seeing is essentially a passage of a bunch of laws that are going to tighten surveillance, are going to allow more power to intelligence agencies to, you know, kind of uh, uh, surveil and uh, label people. Um, and I think January 6th is kind of part of that because it, it gave... Uh, everybody a good excuse to be like, well, let's go do something like, you know, um, 
what what yielded prism or even uh uh you know more like kind of structural stuff like citizens united all of these things the patriot act all of these things that we thought oh for sure our president like what whoever the next guy is who's not who hates this he'll dismantle it but nothing ever gets dismantled so whatever we're putting together right now both to prosecute people that were there on january 6th um but also just broadly to kind of censor QAnon and other belief systems like that online Expect those to become the arsenal um, that we can, again, again, never go back on, never get rid of, and will be used in ways that we uh, should expect to target the left. Oh, boy. Uh, Can't can't fucking wait. So you talked a little (laughs) bit about the January 6th insurrection and, you know, all the shitty things that happened generally as a result. What was its impact on the QAnon movement? Because to me, you know, a lay person, it seemed... A little bit like Charlottesville was for the alt-right. Like they thought, oh, wow, this is really going to kick off the, the revolution. But it turned out to be maybe their last hurrah in some ways. Yeah, I, I think I think it's definitely like it's just they fell down the stairs and shit themselves, basically, in, in very in a very public way. And, you know, it all started very disorganized, it's like a bunch of day drunks. They're getting riled up by Trump. They already believe some of them in QAnon. You've got the Proud Boys and all these people around because they always are around. And then it's like this guy's like, oh, you should go over there to that building, you know. And, the, the you know, of course, if you look at like the police presence there, it was so negligible compared to the police presences we've seen to stamp down on, you know, like, for example, BLM and and other other movements like that. So it was a very bizarre day, um, you know, and uh, and 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 I think that, yeah, it's embarrassing. Essentially, it's embarrassing. And on top of that, it brings way too much heat to people like the Proud Boys who, you know, Enrique Tario, the head of the I think he used to be the head of the Proud Boys. I don't think he's maybe doing that anymore. But, you know, he was an FBI informant um, for years. And that was something that was revealed recently. So a lot of them, it's like more like, oh, well, now uh, now we're losing our credibility as informants because we can't control uh, people who are going to like basically, you know, club a cop to death if they can. So there. Hey. So one of the things that January 6th, leading up to January 6th, I should say, there was this crossover between QAnon as, I guess, a movement on the one hand, and then also Donald Trump as a president. And so obviously the conditions that created QAnon are gone, but Trump, you know, is no longer president. He might run again in another four years, but what's it been like not having Trump as this uh, amplifier and also as this sort of figurehead for the movement? Yeah, I think, yeah, figurehead, amplification, those are two perfect uh, ways to see it because it's um, essentially like everyone's at the concert and you know, the kind of like lead singer is no longer there. <laughs> Things are less fun, less exciting for now. You know, they, they're still, they're not going to leave the concert, I don't think. No, uh, but the but backup band is still there, to... but the pit's not going to open They're up. just jamming. Yeah. <laughs> they're waiting for Jim That's Morrison right. a lot of to come back. back. And, forth. and people are, I guess people are they're vamping. Of out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Everyone's trying to look sexy and, uh, and also, like, I think there's a real question of, like, what's the next Trump? Because you're not dealing with a well-organized right-wing movement uh, under Trump. It's just like this insane cult of personality where everyone allows themselves to become more violent and more active and kind of, you know, really, like, play out uh, all of their, like, biggest desires of, like, saying the N-word or or actually, you know, going and, like, fighting people in the street or whatever. So, I don't know. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting because it's, it, it's hardly... 
it's hardly an organized right uh, that we have now. I mean, we have the structural organized right that like the Koch brothers set up for years and others like them. But we're it's like in terms of actually collecting enough votes and, you know, uh, organizing yourself beyond just doing, you know, a voter suppression and all of this stuff. I think we are looking at a bit of a transition on the right. I, I, I kind of like the way I see the, the current political spectrum in America is basically on the right. You have, you know, uh, nationalists, white supremacists, QAnon kind of believers. And on the left, we're now at like an 80s. Uh, Reaganite uh, republicanism. Mm -hmm. And that's really shit. I mean, it's worse than it's ever been. Maybe. This is is part of what you were saying before with like windows closing, right? When the windows on any sort of political change close, then all sorts of things like this come out of the woodwork. That really reminds me of some talks we've had about depoliticization too. Just like the, the utter lack of political imagination in the general population the sense that a better world is possible. Uh, it's its not there. Uh, and it also reminds me of some uh, combos we've had around stuff on the left, actually, um, where we talk about how the, the current circumstances have created, in a way, revolutionaries without a revolution. And it yes. seems kind of analogous. They're Limp biscuit revolutionaries. They just want to break <laughs> some fucking shit. You know, they're just pissed. And, like, that's it's valid, I think. I think that... Uh, not not like what they believe or how they carry it out, but like that first feeling of total fucking alienation and anger at a system that has zero transparency, that barely even pretends to respond to our, our kind of, uh, or, you know, votes or anything like anything you could input into the system. I don't know. I really I, re- I relate to that. I know that a lot of people who, who study conspiracy theories um, and do debunking and stuff like they're not that's not how, how they they feel about that. But I, I think. Uh, if you drive people to madness, you know, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what people expect other than uh, the kind of, I guess, essentially like insane flashpoints of violence that have no proper ideological uh, anchor. Like it's just some kid who watched a couple videos and like hung out too long on 8chan. You know what I mean? Uh, it's it, it is um, it's like they've decentralized and also, you know, like you said, depoliticized uh, the outbursts of violence that are occurring due to the structure that is becoming more and more suffocating. What could possibly go wrong? So <laughs> I, I, I kind of had this down at the bottom, but you've kind of been hinting at it already. So I'm just going to ask it. We keep talking about the conditions that gave rise to QAnon and how they really haven't gone away like I guess this is a large question, but, you know, in like 30 seconds, can you tell us um, what you think has given rise to this kind of conspiratorial movement? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the problem often uh, with things like QAnon is that the material conditions sometimes like lead to a kind of uh, material, uh, uh, essentially a vacuum that can be filled by by things like this. But But some people actually are well off. They're just like spiritually void and insane. They, they have no non-transactional aspects of their life anymore. And so their kind of politics for them is just like, well, I, you know, tra- trans people aren't actually people or whatever, whatever kind of bullshit signifier, but they don't really interact anymore with um, the structure. So I, I'd say that, that, that it's more it's more of a condition of lack of justice. I think that that there's been such a lack of accountability. Nothing ever gets reversed. Uh, the, the wars seem to never end. 
nobody is really offering a solution, even if it is just to undo at least a couple of things that are disastrous that, that we've um, started, like the PRISM project or, you know, um, yeah, st stuff that came in uh, under the Bush administration. So, yeah, I, I think that broadly the condition, whether it's you know spiritual or physical, is has deteriorated to the point where people are just going crazy. I mean, there's like people basically storming buildings after being like, check out my real estate company. <laughs> that, yeah. That's just wild. They're dissociated. That's what I mean, I guess. We're in a very dissociative uh, phase. On yeah, top of I think all that's the... important to understand because a lot of liberals understand it as, oh, it's just racism or whatever. And yeah, a lot of these people are racist, but that's really only a part of this insane fucking modern phenomenon that we're talking about. Because there's, yeah, of course, racism is absolutely a thing, but a lot of them are just like spectator racists. They just like watch Fox News and they're like, yeah, <laughs> and then they'll repeat that shit to someone else. But we have like a 24 hour fucking racist propaganda network that, you know, works for like the corporate interests so on, on both sides. Yeah. And it's not just political. It's economic as well. We should remember we're 13 right. years now into a uh, into a economic crisis. And even if and, and I don't think obviously all of the. Uh, Trump base is working class. I think a, a decent size is. Uh, when we're even talking about the real estate broker or we're talking about some petty bourgeois individual, even if they're not actually facing austerity, they are still feeling that status anxiety that so many people are in this country right now as like material conditions decline for people. So it's not just political, it's also economic as well. Yeah, they're scared of the material condition that has deteriorated for others that might lead them to, you know, like walk outside their door and and protest uh, certain things and then they can walk out with like an AR-15 or whatever. Right. Sort of the line on Antifada for a while that um, the best way to understand J6 and, and QAnon is that the, the middle class is being squeezed downwards. They're not they're not moving upwards as much as they'd like. And that kind of anxiety and, and anger uh, gets channeled not into, um, you know, a proper kind of uh, class consciousness that, you know, the middle class needs to stick up for itself or something, but it attaches itself to these completely incoherent uh, fantasies of, uh, of like a global elite that's keeping a natural order of society um, from reestablishing itself. And, and that's, that was kind of the, the purpose of the J6 insurrection to create a dictatorship to defend this democracy, this American way of life, and really what they were doing was trying to <laughs> install Trump as their idiot king. Um, so, but I, I had another question uh, from that that first one that you didn't uh, answer. Maybe you don't want to talk about it, but I, I'm really curious about the podcast itself because it was really popular. Oh, yeah. I think it was one way that a lot of people, uh, definitely myself, and until the HBO docu series, um, was really the the best way of understanding what Q was and who was behind it. Um, You've been surplanted now. Sorry. Yeah. So obviously you're still doing the show. It's really great. You're still doing these investigations. So it's very uh, exciting to listen to. But um, what do you think the future is of your podcast? You know, I think that we have built uh, an audience and a kind of broad subject base from the start because, well, because the country is in like an amnesiac, like inc incredibly rapid cycle. So, you know, maybe the, 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 the title of whatever we're studying will change, but I, I guess we're going to kind of, I think we're going to be basically, we're going to remain uh, critics and, and analyzers of the culture 
and hopefully the through line, uh, you know, the kind of like birth to death cycle of the poster known as QAnon will be useful for our analysis moving forward in, in a country that, again, is going to rewrite what, what the Q movement was and, and is going to be constantly rewriting and forgetting uh, aspects. So that's our goal, I think, is to create a kind of long-term uh, listening post uh, for this kind of stuff and also to write things we're excited about. I want to explore more about the history of uh, intelligence agencies and their role in censorship today. I want to look at all of these kind of, um, I guess, these uh, contextual uh, issues and also the, the continued development, you know, the poisoning of the ground soil by QAnon and stuff like that and how it pops up in the new age and all of these different things. But, uh, you know, I think uh, I think we're going to be looking at this stuff coming back every single cycle. We're going to be looking at um, a Hunter Biden laptop where some people say he's, you know, raping children on it. And then others are going to complain because a, a, a kind of like uh, Twitter censorship around uh, the release of it as an as a political op. So these 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 are going to continue to. I think evolve. And uh, I guess we're just going to, we're just going to be hanging out at HQ and <laughs> doing our job and continuing uh, to cover this. And uh, the name of the podcast is, you know, it, it has a kind of temporal, um, uh, a temporal nature, I, I guess. And I, I think that QAnon as a label for broader right wing conspiracy theories that are all like sublimations of, of like incredibly fascist desires um, due to all these conditions that we, we discussed previously, like that's, I don't think, um, I don't think that's going away. So, well, I yeah. said you've been surplanted, but that was kind of like a, a joke. You haven't actually been surplanted, but the HBO documentary uh, Into the Storm uh, kind mm -hmm. of pulled together this thesis, and you guys have been working on various theses. Uh, this documentary came out and argued that uh, Ron Watkins was Q. You know, as you go through this documentary, it kind of reveals at the end. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Ron Watkins was Q himself? I think there's ample evidence to point that to point to point towards the, the 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 kind of idea that he posted he certainly was the custodian he was the verifier the custodian he had control over various transitions that occurred um and so yeah i think it's believable i think that cullen hoback did good work and you know he'd been speaking to us throughout that's the funny thing though is that our podcast never i mean of course we're interested in in who q is or who made those posts or whatever, but that was never the focus of our podcast. We were not uh, trying to uncover the identity of Q because Q is the satanic panic. It's the red scare. It's all of these other kind of cyclical belief systems uh, becoming something politically useful and then used as a cudgel during a political cycle. So yeah, I guess that that's, that's how I see it. That makes a whole lot of sense. And that's a that's a sensible way to cover it, really, because it's uh, it's about way more than just the the who done it, as it were. Right. I mean, my money was always on like, oh, this is some fucking sixteen year old little snot nosed kid who just wants to like be a troll and fuck shit up. And you know what? Not that far off from the truth. <laughs> if it's not that that far off, but, but it is someone who knows about like you know William Cooper, behold a pale horse. It's someone who is versed in conspiracy theories and American culture, uh, even though it's often incoherent and weird, uh, there are throughout like, you know, references that show a kind of deeper, uh, like basic knowledge, at least of, of some of these things that are, that are, yeah, that, that are more like cultural, just cultural oddities and fascinations. Like we recently did an, uh, an episode about 
um, you know, how like old dirty bastard read William Cooper's Behold a Pale Horse and was like very influenced by it, Wu-Tang and Nas was also name dropping him. And so a lot of these. That was really uh, depressing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just like it's I, I made a joke, I think, very early on, like 100 episodes ago about like, oh, please not Nasir Jones, you know, or something. And of course, eventually we had to make the episode where, yes, Nasir Jones. Um, so it, it, yeah, I don't know. It's, and, and for those that don't know, uh, Behold a Pale Horus literally has the protocols of the Elders of Zion printed in it mm. with like a yeah. little intro that says, oh, by the way, when they say Jews here, they mean New World Order. But it's just, <laughs> but they just present that his, that document as if it's real. They were simply saying the quiet part out loud. <laughs> <laughs> this may seem like the happy merchant, but when you put on your 3D glasses, <laughs> you'll actually see it's a perfect description of the Illuminati. <laughs> so you touched on uh, censorship a little while back. Um, what do you think about the practice of banning QAnon or other potentially harmful conspiracy posts from social media? Uh, do you think that's going to put a lid on it or is it only going to fuel their persecution complex and make them worse? It's so hard to examine it without examining like the role of these uh, social media companies and making an insane dime on like the most extreme content, just ap- making its way through the their kind of market to their open market of ideas and posts. So that's where I, I kind of, I mean, we've been looking at that for a while, how these algorithms are literally designed to elevate content like this. And then then they had to kind of like ally with a private public uh, uh, kind of effort, uh, you know, like intelligence agencies working with like social media companies to identify these people. But it was only when they could prove in, in some of these kind of military uh, like the, the you know the places where the places where analysts go and read their news or whatever. Once they could like properly prove that they were an intelligent or a, sorry a, a security threat, right? So the idea that they're like going to actually potentially push back against the state or commit violences against like the order, uh, not just random weird violence that's hard to even interpret like what direction it's being pointed at. So I think like the, over time I've come to to think that all the censorship um, is wrong because it's it's just setting up new ways for censorship and surveillance to invade our lives. And at the same time, it's arguable if it's if it's even that effective at uh, modifying these movements. But do I think that it's right that these 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 supposedly essentially like public goods that are obviously privately owned, like these social media companies that are completely integrated into our lives are able to make all this money? And uh, and like that, I, I think that's I guess that's where the buck stops is with them for, for me. And I don't think it's going to solve it to be like, oh, well, okay, well, like, we'll just work with the FBI to like, make sure that, you know, like all the Pepe accounts and all the like, um, big titty communist accounts get banned. Okay. I agree with you, but just to play devil's advocate here, when mm-hmm. I was researching this episode, I was looking for some old red pill dank memes and like, it was really difficult because a lot of that stuff got taken offline. And I, th- I just think that you know, cl- like chopping off a lot of those pathways, obviously that doesn't change the, the uh, you know, the source, like the political, economic or social source of where these conspiracy theories and these movements come from, but it does make this particularly popular movement a lot weaker. Yeah, it's a Band-Aid solution, but mm-hmm. I agree that, that, it, uh, that it is, uh, in the short term, it can be effective at diffusing the urgency and the galvanization of some of these movements. And, you know, it was never 
a case where if if there was some leftist revolutionary movement akin to QAnon that they wouldn't censor us. It's not like right. if we stand up for QAnon and allow them to have as big a platform as possible, if we ever get close to uh, revolutionary efficacy, that they won't censor us. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That this no, is one of my fucking bailiwicks. Like, there's no ombudsman. Out, there's no fucking referee making sure that the far right and the far left get treated equally. <laughs> like that's just ridiculous. Well, they would they would only punish us equally at best. Yeah, that on both. Like it's simple. Exactly. That's the new line. Yeah, but like people like to make the slippery slope argument. Like, oh well, if you let them censor the far right, then they can censor the far left, which is just like utter horseshit. Like they're gonna do whatever the fuck they want to us, no matter what. As long as we're yeah, yeah, if we if we gain any kind of real momentum, they'll try to stop it, and that's just guaranteed. It's a PR issue for them. Uh, It's a PR issue for them on the right. They made tons of money on all this content, Mm -hmm. and now it just looks bad. I mean, that, that's really, I think, the level of morality you're dealing with with these companies, which is basically nil. They don't care. And I think that's a deeper uh, issue is just like, why did why did the algorithm start uh, saying, well, it doesn't really matter that it's incredibly negative, fucked up content. This stuff is working because it's pissing people off. They respond. There's more interactions on the website, whether they hate it or love it or whatever uh, it's doing. And so... You know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a really tricky one. I, I, I admit that I'm, I'm not one also to complain about the censorship. But if I were told, uh, you know, what are you, are you for it or against it? I would just point out that the structure that's being set up right now as a response to this to make sure that this stuff gets out of sight of like, you know, Nana and her iPad is not good stuff. It's going to be the structure of the future uh, surveillance of everybody. Yeah, if people want to be proactive about this, uh, start fighting to smash up these big giant tech monopolies, right? I mean, that's something that, you know, people across the spectrum would benefit from. And uh, it's actually a practical thing that's going to be more than a Band-Aid. It's actually going to have some effect. All right. So I'm going to play devil's devil's advocate (laughs) now. And um, Beelzebub's lawyer. Yeah. Advocate for... your devil's advocate (laughs) has a devil's advocate... You All might right. just be on the Antifada. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dig this, man. All right. So this is something that you brought up on your episode with, uh, I think it was uh, Age of Napoleon. Uh, what, what's that guy's name? Or, or is it Mike Duncan? I get Sorry, I get them confused. You, I know. I'm trying to think. You were, talking, name, you were talking about the French Napoleon Revolution. Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> when you, you were interviewing Napoleon Dynamite about the French Revolution. You brought up that the French Revolution was largely inspired by a conspiracy theory that was very similar to QAnon about how the elite drink blood and they like to have these orgies where they shit and fart on each other. And that inspired the peasants to rise up and overthrow the aristocracy. And I could, there was like this chill running through uh, the podcast when you were talking about this because you realized what if QAnon morphs into the American revolution <laughs> and they overthrow the state. So is, do you think it's possible that not QAnon itself, cause obviously it is anti-Semitic and it wants this military dictatorship and like a, a purge of all these, you know, uh, social others, but is it possible that Q or something like Q could morph into uh, a revolution, even a left-wing revolution um, that is something more liberatory than the, the fascist military coup that they cur- currently envision. I mean, quite frankly, I have no idea. And, you know, the, the conspiracy theories that you were mentioning, they led to the storming of the Bastille, not necessarily the actual overthrow. Um, but, but I think that we also live in a, an information age where that stuff and a police state that, that's, you know, kind of 
uh, non-negligible in this in this um, in this vision. I think that it is sad that there that the small kind of possibilities of change that open up are so violent and extreme and have to be thrown out. Um, but I I also I just don't know if if I, I I guess that sometimes in history it seems a conspiracy theory will set up a condition through which something positive can happen. And you can argue about Robespierre and everything that happened afterwards as well. But that's something that I did not know. Like, I think no one talks about the Bastille and the storming of the Bastille as the kind of kooky QAnon-like uh, conspiracy theory that, that, you know, they were going to actually find in the basement people being tortured and all this fucked up shit. Oh God. It was like their comet ping pong. They were like, <laughs> exactly. les enfants, les enfants. <laughs> in fact, they found almost, they found very, very few people. So I'm imagining like, so a, I have um, no idea. I, I, that's a, that's a moment that just like fucks with my head and I look at uh, and I try to keep in historical context, but it is fascinating to me. I'm imagining like a French intellectual or like petty aristocrat um, doing symbology, like right before the storming of the Bastille, like trying to find images of cake and being like, every time you see a cake, that's a, that's a pedo symbol for order a boy. Oh yeah. Let them eat cake. I mean, that was yeah, a big, so here's, here's um, a piece of evidence for my, uh, my, uh, you know, uh, contrarian devil's devil's advocacy optimism about this. There are some strains of Q that are weirdly sympathetic with communism. Um, and be, that's because like a major element of the Q theory is that Kennedy was trying to do a rapprochement with Cuba and Trump was trying to do one with North Korea and that there's just this, uh, and, uh, and I saw a video, maybe you've seen this one. It's like a, I think it's called trust the plan or something like that about how, um, capitalism and communism are just these systems created by these good people who want good people to live in peace and in prosperity and they're just different approaches to that same end. But there's this cabal of bad people that took them over and set them against each other. And they took over when they killed Kennedy because Kennedy was going to end the war in Vietnam and, um, and, uh, and, and make peace with Cuba and with the Soviet Union. And the same sort of um, and, and, and a few people thought that this was what Trump was doing when he, he went and met with, uh, with North Korea as well. So there's one strain of the QAnon believers that thinks that um, socialism and communism are just really not that bad. Now, obviously, there's also the Infowars wing that's super anti-communist and the J6 people were like, you know, uh, you know, hysterically anti-communist. But in your experience talking to QAnon people, do you think some of them have this kind of isolationist tendency um, and even a little bit of sympathy for, for left-wing and anti-imperialist regimes. I'd say that is so difficult uh, to read. And I, I don't know if, if it is uh, necessarily like an actual faction within QAnon, because even if you start with a video like uh, Joe M's, uh, The Plan to Save the World, the way that he represents um, communism is just to, to, to get a certain point across. But when you speak to actual people, their minds have been injected with anti-communism from every side of the political spectrum and all of this. So they may be in a total apolitical state where they're mis- misunderstanding certain things, but they are broadly so infused with the Red Scare and like anti-communist um, a lot of these, belief systems. A lot of the adherents it, are boomers and the boomers grew up doing duck and cover drills. You know, the communist threat was coming to our shores. So it's it's no surprise. Yeah, I, I've, I mean, at QAnon events, you will see people like 
talking about helicopter rides and 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 commies and and this and that. But then, what um, do you very, make of very uh, what do you make of the meme of of Kennedy in his limo and says uh, it says like I'm going to make peace with Castro, change my mind. That that might be. I mean, I've not seen that meme coming around so so much uh, around the actual like. I mean, I'm sure people make memes like that, but. Usually they just see John F. Kennedy as somebody who wanted to fight the deep state. So that might be their, their one moment of like semi lucidity, (laughs) but their theory was more that, yeah, he was going to lead to um, essentially like a a kind of disclosure event where the government would start working for us and all this stuff. And anytime they think like the cabal or the deep state is being upset by someone like that, they get like knocked off. And so they compare that with Trump, for example, because they also hate George Bush. So I think if anything, there's like an apolitical strand, maybe they will bring up Cuba, but I've never seen like a proper understanding of communism or socialism articulated. Uh, It's, I I only see, it's not even critiques that they receive. It's just like communism sucks. We should hang commies, fuck them. Uh, And they think that communists and Democrats are the same also. (laughs) The same thing. Yes. They'll say Joe Biden is a socialist, a communist. This was a young, a young woman actually, in uh, LA who, who was like at a save the children rally. And she was furious. There was a, there's a large amount of Cuban Americans, like Cuban refugees uh, or whatever, who are you know, super anti-communist and are very at, at, um, at peace in these movements. They're, they're totally accepted. Uh, yeah. I, I would, I would challenge that they have any love for socialism or communism at any level from the Pepe's to the people screaming in the streets about save the children to the boomers uh, to anybody cashing in on this, like General Flynn or whatever, I don't know. That's a hard one. The, the yeah. rank and files may be different, but that that's sounds like there's of, no evidence. That's kind of, I mean, look, we always try to see the glasses being half full here at the Antifada, uh, but no. uh, <laughs> I, I relate to their dissatisfaction. I'll put it yes. that way, but they, they rarely articulate. They're just not articulate enough. They're so incoherent in what they're expressing that it's very hard to get from it that they would even understand the power play between America and Cuba at the time and it, and why it happened you know, and like, what the communist regime was like or, or is like, you know. It's, this like is you the... obviously know more about this than I do. But uh, yeah, it always struck me as more of a coincidence on the level of like monkeys and typewriters, you know. But also, you ended up... yeah, yeah, the people who make the memes are also like edgelords or whatever. So they'll be like 4chan kids. Like they won't be matching like what an actual person who would go to a, a rally or who would, you know, believe that uh, in mass. So they might be putting out shit like that. But that's often the memes that don't make it off the boards. You can go and collect them and find them, but they don't really represent QAnon. They're just uh, an experiment, a, a non, a never ending Petri dish experiment of like ha- what meme is going to become the biggest. So they'll try a bunch of different stuff. Uh, this maybe opens up a broader question about conspiracism in general, because we can be sympathetic with the discontent for sure, and we can see that when they're talking about a cabal, they're talking about something like a ruling class, but they don't mm-hmm. have a class analysis of it. Instead, it's, a, it's some bad people in a room somewhere who are deciding how events happen, how history moves. Um, so I wonder like, if this points to... I don't know, this, this kind of cul-de-sac that conspiracism is, when there is actually a class politics that exists or that could exist within that, that's instead being papered over by basically like structurally anti-Semitic memes and ideas. Yeah, conspiracism, uh, I, I, first of all, it's something that'll never go away. We need it and we're going to continue to partake in it and it's existed 
forever. So that that side of like the human psyche that just yearns for that. I don't think that's that's going to change much, but I do think that it can often be a dead end politically. Not not to say that it can't open um, revolutionary opportunities or that you shouldn't wake people up to actual conspiracies that you can form theories about that have like you know at least plausible like uh, plausible context and circumstantial evidence. Um, but I think that you're right. It, it very often leaves people completely politically neutered and they're incapable of organizing with others because it sends them down rabbit holes that they usually have to partake in together. And then when they meet up for something like the QAnon events I've seen, it's mostly to just fucking celebrate that everyone around them doesn't think they're crazy. <laughs> you know, it's just a, it's yeah. just a, a need to be like, I'm in the in group of this belief thing because I'm in the out group of like my family. And shit. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's another question we wanted to ask, like, do you think this qualifies as a social movement of any kind? Like, is there some kind of glue? Are there social bonds being formed here? Or is it purely a product of alienation, atomization, depoliticization, and all that other and, shit? And online as well, which is a deeply alienated yeah. Uh, existence. Yeah, I think there are bonds being formed, but again, you know, they're only as strong as as like the the kind of online structures that support them and their ability to meet up with each other. Um, so, you know, yes, th those things are forming, but they're being formed in in a politically incoherent, decentralized way in which we stay atomized, but we relate to people's like rabbit holes uh, on our own terms and go, yeah, my rabbit hole is a lot like that, you know. And then we can get along in that moment. Maybe we have a beer. Maybe we go to a QAnon rally together. But does it does it form anything organized? Not really, because there's so many other things that are kind of playing into it, like the Internet's own algorithms and things like that. The the movements and the politicians that are going to capitalize on them for votes and and other things. Uh, so it's like really it's really hard. It's really hard to 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 to, to see what they're forming as. And I mean, it's strange. Like it certainly is a bond, but it's almost like this. I don't know, a bond formed in like the id uh, and then social relations that are just almost incidental uh, because they're, they are very atomized still. Right. It's a zombie community is what you're saying. Well, where we go when we go all like that, you know, like who's going to say that sucks? Like that's, you know, we're all in this together. Uh, that's what's so weird is that they will use language that's like accidentally communist or lefty basically um but you know like for them remember that the solution to their thing is not like yes some of them want to go in the streets but one of the main solutions they'd like is like another secret government to like nuke the first one you know <laughs> and like store a fucking new a new world order that'll serve them right right a, a better it's, gentler it's, world it's order. very strange or an, a very backwards looking world order right because this is all it's all very yes. backwards looking when you're trying to like re-inaugurate a golden age of american politics and capitalism that looks back to the 1960s or it looks back to the 1860s or it looks back to the 1780s, right? It's all very backwards looking. Or, you know, just looking back to when Trump was president, right? Because right, they kind right. of, uh, That's right. they, they kind of limited, they've, they've managed their expectations in the past few years. Yeah, yeah. That's where the amnesia comes in, I think. You know, that's the role of it is to kind of, it's just like, I mean, every, if everything's a dissociation, you're just, it, it's a bit like Russiagate. There was like that dissociative consp, uh, con, uh, kind of conspiracy um, prone side of the left being revealed like in the mainstream media and all this stuff. And you can go back to a lot of those videos or whatever. We recently watched like Colbert uh, having Avenatti on and like, they're just baking. They're just fucking putting up documents and like 
being like, yep. And then he's going to go to jail <laughs> and that's it. That's what really forms the essence of a lot of modern kind of political movements, whether it's like, you know, like the liberal Russiagate thing or, or QAnon, it's like, man, they're going to, they're going to have to pay for what they've done. Right. I mean, these crimes are so grave, you know, I mean, if you're being told like Trump, Trump is the worst fascist, you know, United States, United States has ever seen. That's awful. And it's like, well, these people drink blood like, oh, that's that's also <laughs> awful. Like I, these people should be put in fucking jail, you know, and that's yeah. everyone's waiting, except some people are like, well, there will also be gallows and let's make it in Guantanamo. It's funny because Rachel Maddow was like, we got the documents for years. Right? Straight up. It's like sim yeah. very similar process. I, I have documents. Oh, boy, <laughs> do I have documents. <laughs> And she's not even she's not even lying half the time, but it's like but they won't do anything like that's where they were lying the whole time. It's like Trump's about to be behind bars. Mm -hmm. And that's the lie we They're try to never fall it. into studying <laughs> Q because it's like if we're telling people we're going to reveal who Q is, first of all, we're lying to you. That's already a fake promise. Exactly like the one QAnon uh, sells you of like justice and clarity at the end of all this, you know, and it's it's I'm sorry, but it's not going to fucking happen. Yeah. There's no revelation and there's no revolution coming out of this. Off of the, the politics thing, though, recently on your show, you were talking about this new crossover between QAnon in the post-Trump era and uh, New Age spirituality, and also a crossover with uh, Disclosure, because I, I think I heard on your pod that Ron Watkins now has a Disclosure website about UFOs and all that stuff. So is this sort of like a cope for them? I mean, yeah, when it comes to Ron Watkins, it's like always be shitposting, like always be like looking like a dumbass in some weird video. You know, every day they put out hours. Jim is nonstop, like filming himself and talking. A lot of it is nonsense, like literally childish nonsense that, that he puts in there to fuck with people. So that's that's I think that's definitely happening. And then I think QAnon has been kind of integrated as an alternative to politics for the Trump, uh, the Trump supporting side of the new age mm. um, movement. And, you know, it's it's not so surprising because the esoteric is so present in QAnon and it's often about believing in yourself and like this, you know, hidden power that's going to be unleashed soon, which is very similar to the new age concept of like ascension or, you know, millenarian uh, stuff as well. And uh, so, yeah, we've been seeing that it's it's something that has developed over over time, like from, yeah, that mostly because Instagram and let's say TikTok and all these things like they keep reawakening this stuff. Like, for example, Pizzagate, everyone was like, well, Pizzagate's dead now and QAnon is the new thing. You know, that's not going to be an issue. And then on TikTok, there were like six months where there were so many TikTokers posting about Justin Bieber and Pizzagate and they had reexamined it mm -hmm. through their new media and used it to interpret and like they'll do that to Epstein too. stuff, something that's, you know, obviously more valid to look at. But that's um, it's oftentimes like just a, it's accepted as a kind of like a module or a topic um, that you can just kind of like, yeah, integrate with the rest. Like I, I you know, I, these people often don't trust the government. They think there's chemicals in everything and often they're not wrong. So they have like this sincere distrust in almost any mainstream thing. So then when they get to politics, they're like, well, OK, I'm not just going to be like a normal political stooge. Like I'm a cool, awakened person in the rest of my life. What is the awakened version of this? And often they just come straight to QAnon. Cool world that we're living in. Um, <laughs> so, OK, yeah. we've it's speaking of, you know, apolitical people being radicalized. Uh, we, we've heard some theories 
that uh, Trump's unexpected surge of new voters in 2020 was due to Q's popularity among apolitical people or even people who used to vote for Democrats. Uh, do you think this holds any water? I think there's something to that. I don't I don't know if I would like, you know, make a, a kind of generalization about what it means, but there's definitely that side of things. There were a lot of people in like California, blue states and stuff like that who previously had voted for, you know, Obama or whatever, or were just kind of like liberals or just didn't even go out to vote. And they love Trump. And often it's through uh, a kind of esoteric understanding of politics, QAnon-like, but it's, it's, it, it comes usually from extreme churches. There's a lot of extreme Christian churches in America and born again people, specifically in big metropolitan areas like LA and shit. Um, those people are kind of, again, like ripe to re-examine everything. And they will very often come to like love and support Trump and still be like a totally spaced out, like astrology loving yoga practitioner. <laughs> um, it, it gave people a culture, I think, to, to have reactionary politics and not have it be unacceptable within, you know, like new age health and on it, on Instagram and all this stuff. And oftentimes what happens is they get then like censored and then it, it, it magnifies their audience because they start complaining about it and making it their main thing. And, you know, that's, you know, that's often how they build an audience or whatever for better or for worse. We're, we're, Can I just grab, I'm just going to grab a beer. Yeah, of course. Right. Right. I found this beer here in Paris uh, by this like very, it's like, suburban Paris uh, a brewery called Hespebe, and they called it uh, Flat Earth Society, Organic West Coast uh, IPA. You know, Fucking those hell. IPA names have gone too far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, start no, censoring them. Flat Earth in France, all is good. <laughs> <laughs> those, oh my God, the Flat Earth. We've talked about the Flat Earthers. We have. Yo, you mean Street Fight? <laughs> <laughs> um, wait. Are they? I thought they just wanted to be barefoot on the earth. It's a joke, but they do say like this flat earth stuff. It's pretty <laughs> that, funny. That's hilarious. Love those guys. We'll have to have them back on the pod to talk about flat earth. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're so funny. Flat earth and, and Fred Durst. Do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, they can while make, we're back honestly, on a... they can make me like anything. Yeah, they're very mm -hmm. charming. While we're back on the subject of paranormal, I just had one follow up on the Ron Watkins disclosure stuff. Is he oh, yes, pro or anti-UFO? Does he think the aliens are here to help or to hurt? Um, I think he kind of likes to be very vague about mm, that stuff. Okay. He, he likes to be like the documents speak for themselves and he'll publish like some old declassified CA thing on, you know, like uh, oh, remote such viewing. such a dick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has such a cynical, dissociated, troll-like uh, relationship to the world that it's often... It's it's depressing even kind of like examining it for too long because you're yeah. like whoa, it's, it's so nihilistic. It's kind of it's kind of cool that he has a hobby of running up a mountain with a big hammer though. That's kind of a yeah. cool hobby. I got to admit. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that is so just a staged moment. Everything he does is just like <laughs> staged bullshit. You don't think he runs no, he, up that mountain with a hammer normally? Just you don't think he just the camera punches, punches stuff no. all the time and. He doesn't need the drone to run up the mountain. He punches the post that much. No, like all this stuff is just him being like, "What can I get him to believe? What what kind of absurd shit could I, could I become like a video game character and would he still film me and put it out?" God, I would hate to have been that guy's teacher. Just gonna throw that out there. Oh God! What oh an God! Just prick. <laughs> oh. 
fucking nightmare yeah. person, nightmare <laughs> child, nightmare man child. Um, it, it came out that he he has porn like almost always playing in his car on like little <laughs> yeah. TV on the car. just nonstop. Car. Like how, how can you possibly be paying attention to the road? <laughs> Yeah, unless you get to like this Zen place where jacking it no longer is a thing, and you're just like, I'm just in my car with porn. They call that oh, a Watkins. They call that doing a Watkins. <laughs> Sounds bad, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, um, okay. So I wanted to ask. Uh, maybe this is a callback to an earlier question, the episode. But like, we've talked about all the things that aren't gonna help very much like censoring the QAnon people on social media the government crackdowns or whatever is there any way to combat this kind of thinking that you think might be effective or is the genie out of the bottle on this one yeah I mean if I have to kind of talk about it as like the the moment like the crisis that we're under I don't have any easy solutions but Broadly, I think that uh, having more transparency, having more uh, ease of democratic participation um, and having a media environment uh, that isn't prone to kind of uh, crafting things that don't match reality, those could all help, you know, less surveillance, like all of the things that these people are scared of. But that doesn't, you know, get rid of, you know, the very Puritan, far like far right, like Christian extremist kind of stuff. That's. That's something that's a longer reckoning uh, for the United States and and figuring out like what to do about something that's been built up as like a kind of weapon for the, the GOP and is now essentially just going feral. Yeah, it's it's like um, you, you talked about it as a spiritual thing. And then we've also talked it as like a, a, of a as a concrete thing. But like this is all happening amidst American decline. You know, our political system isn't you know, isn't broken because um, of the bad actors that exist of Nancy Pelosi or Donald Trump or whatever. It's because our empire is beginning to fall. You know, it's not there yet, but it's getting there. And so these, in, in a sense, it feels like the sort of, even though it's always been around, these conspiracy theories, this sort of like death throes of, of American capitalism. I don't know. Maybe I'm being optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, that's, again, it's like, you know, you start talking about that and people are like, Oh, are you an accelerationist? But it's, well, it's like, I, I just want to figure out where we are in history. Like yeah. what, you know, just to try to, to kind of understand the context, uh, like what brought us here and what might, you know, most probably come next. And I don't know, it feels like a squeeze where it's just like, no one wants to let go. And we're just going to kind of squeeze ourselves to the brink for, for no real reason um, as, as a kind of, group of humans on earth it just it's um it's it's hard it's hard to to look at and and feel anything but like you know just a little bit of dissociation and just want you want to go to walk in a park with people you love yeah it is really cute to me when people are like oh what are you an accelerationist because like we're in the accelerationist timeline i guess you could say (laughs) oh it's i think it's good but that doesn't really change anything like like fucking was it Nixon? Right. He's like, we're all Keynesians now. We're all accelerationists now. <laughs> like, there's no two ways about it. We just got to ride that wave. Yeah. Also, yeah, with it's a- more like we're, yeah, we're accelerating. Right. <laughs> it's like that's not yeah. the, that's, there's no other like there's no question around the fact that we're accelerating. It's also like, you know, it's very easy and obvious to point out like the the reactionary elements of QAnon and conspiracy theories in general. Like, I, I tend to think that 
conspiracy theories in general are structurally anti-Semitic. They're either directly or implicitly connected to the protocols of the Yellers of Zion or that kind of thinking. I think we need to demystify the way capital works, the way power works, and it's not this group of people in a room. It's a class relation. At the same time, um, you know, uh, QAnon is just such like a good example of like the dark side of conspiracy theories. And it ignores that there's uh, millions of working class Americans who do believe in the Illuminati, who are against like the state and power and capitalism. But the way they express that is that there's this cabal of evil people that run the world. And uh, it's too simple to just say, like, these are right wing evil people who want to create a fascist dictatorship. Uh, I think, like, if you polled the people who participated in the George Floyd uprising, a pretty big amount of them believe in something like that. Or, you know, like in in downtown Manhattan after the riots, there was covid 5G uh, things spray painted all over the city. So it's not so simple to say, like, there are these proletarian politics that are good and then there are these like middle class uh conspiracy theory politics that are bad i totally agree yeah i couldn't agree more and that's something that we have to reckon with for sure so i guess um the 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 final question jamie you want to ask yeah so you mentioned earlier sometimes you just got to take a walk in the park like you're really dealing with some very insane very toxic shit going down a lot of rabbit holes uh I can't imagine what that must be like for you from day to day. Like, how do you keep yourself sane? Yes, going out. I love to be out (laughs) in nature with people who matter. And we have conversations about things that are, you know, immediate and meaningful to us. Uh, I also love to play video games and whatever, like eat a bunch of shitty food or something like that. I mean, I don't know. uh, Staying sane. Am I? (laughs) <laughs> what about going out to a, a gilet jaune protest does that help help you uh stay sane feeling the warmth of the proletariat in the streets of paris yes yeah of course yeah being with other people you know um but of course you know that's almost like working at this point because mm. there is a whole element of like anti-vax and shit like that happening yeah. at the same time so i'd really try to kind of get away from I mean, actually, that's that's a pretty specific thing that's happening right now in this this conjunction. And it's also new to the Jiddian movement that vax would be even an issue on the table, just never was before, uh, before this the you know before COVID and all that. So I do love being with other people. It feels very good to be out there uh, in the streets, um, and also just to find ways to help people who need. You know, there's a lot of kind of community level action. Uh, I I am a DSA. My wife is DSA. Uh, Hell we, yeah. <laughs> we, you know, she works uh, to do like certain like design for the small campaigns that are taking over the uh, Los Angeles um, city council. So that's something really cool and concrete. So like we can talk about that or whatever, you know, how, how excited she is for like, you know, Nithya or, um, or, or Carlos. And there's a, there's a few uh, great candidates broadly, I think, presenting themselves. So it's like, you know, and then there's the stuff that DSA and other people do uh, in LA that can be, that directly helps people through difficult times. And there's a huge, uh, you know, houselessness problem, obviously, and just a a brutal, brutally shitty mayor. But the, the reality is that the mayor is not that powerful, that the city council actually controls a lot of the budgets, including the four, I believe it's three or $4 billion a year to the cops. And, you know, we can we can organize against that. So 
yeah, that, that kind of stuff gives me hope. You know, I, I, I would never, I'm not, a, I'm not a doomer. I'm not black pilled. I don't think it's fun to, to believe in nothing. Yeah. So the solution folks touch grass. <laughs> Shit, grounding you need Touch to realign, realign your foot chakra <laughs> by standing on warm moist soil on that and note, defund the police yeah on that note i don't know i hope this won't be too much information we can edit this out if you guys want but our listens are are pretty down these last few months and that kind of sucks you know I, I want people to listen to the show but at the same time I hope just because people are getting out more and they have yeah. less time to listen to podcasts. Yeah. Uh, but that said, um, our Patreon is also pretty far down too. So if you're a listener to the show and you like what we're doing, please support it. Please support the show at patreon.com slash the Antifada. Sign up and we'll, we'll have a bonus episode with Julian Field. We'll be yeah. talking about some more of the esoteric QAnon stuff, the deep state map, the Intergalactic Federation of Ashtar and their, their plans for us. Mm-hmm. And the anti-vax right. stuff, too. Yeah. That's right. Please give us money if you have it. If you don't have it, of course, don't give it to us. But uh, we try to produce some cool bonus content for you guys. And we also have a really good Discord community that has organized a reading group. So cool. So proud of our community. So, yeah, sign up if you see fit. Don't yeah. make us beg. You don't have to listen to the shows. You know, go out and live your life, touch grass, but um, do support us if you can. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Julian. Um, we'll be over at the uh, uh, over the paywall after this. Do, is there anything else you want to plug besides the show? Oh yeah, you can just go follow me on Twitter, Julian Field with two E's. I'm on uh, Twitch uh, under the same thing. I'm gonna resume uh, streaming in a bit. Uh, I like to explore weird, more of the new agey side and. You know, not always QAnon related fragrance influencers, that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I think everyone, most podcasts are probably experiencing lower numbers. I know that we we are. Uh, it's just the end. Of the, I think it's the end of the summer and people are outside or something. I think every year this happens and I always I'm like, this is the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to stop doing it. Forget it. It's just millions well, uh, of people touching grass. You know, touch grass within reason. Then come back inside and listen to a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Smoke grass and listen to a podcast. There you go. There's no ah, reason you can't listen synthesis. to a podcast while you're touching grass. It's like yeah. not mutually exclusive. Buy yourself a nice pair of earbuds. <laughs> All right. Talk to you in a minute, Julian. 